All right, so we're going to talk about abiding today. One of my favorite passages in Scripture and a very important one, I believe, for this season that we are in. A very famous passage that Jesus spoke. I'm just going to jump right into it. I believe we can all relate to it, especially some of the first couple phrases that Jesus uses. So John chapter 15, 1 to 5, let's jump right in. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes in order that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Those first couple sentences really captured my attention in this whole season that we've been going through of the quarantine and the coronavirus. Most of us around the world feel like normal life has been pruned away. We feel like those branches of our life, those many different activities that we've been involved with have been cut back in, in large quantities. And let me say from the get-go, I am not saying that God is responsible for the coronavirus. We don't believe that around here. I'm not saying that God is responsible for all the pruning that's going on in the world. But there is a deep and important spiritual truth in this passage when you get pruned back, there should be a spiritually instinctual response. Oh, I just got pruned. What do I do? Abide. And in some senses, for the big picture, it doesn't matter the source of pruning. Regardless of how you got pruned, whether God did it as the good vine dresser, which he does, and Jesus says it here, or you did it by your own choice, sometimes we need to scale things back and prune back. Sometimes the circumstances of life just come our way and we didn't really ask for it, but it, it prunes us back. Or right now you might be saying, you know what, my boss pruned back my hours at work and I'm a little mad. Or a politician right now is pruning back my normal way of life and I'm, I'm stuck inside. Or even if the enemy himself did it, and he does at times, comes and attacks and takes away stuff. He is the one who steals, kills, and destroys, Jesus said. But in some sense, regardless of how you got pruned back, and I think we've all been pruned in this season, the truth that Jesus said remains the same, that when you get pruned back, do this, abide in me so that you can bear more fruit than you were before. And that's where the good news is coming in, that regardless of how you found yourself pruned back, God's will for your life is that you would abide so that you can bear more fruit than before. Jesus said it. Back into John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then down to verse eight, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. God desires and has designed us to be abundantly fruitful. That is God's will for your life. You're made to bear great fruit. That brings you joy and God glory. God wants to prove and show to the world that you are different when you abide in God. Apart from God, you bear no lasting kingdom fruit. But in God, you will bear much fruit that makes people say, wow, I think that person has God in their life. God gets glory as you are fruitful. But oftentimes, all of us at times live below what's possible. 
where the, the fruit that God designed us to bear and even desires that we bear doesn't happen. And why does that happen? Why? What, what's, what's the reason for that? Jesus spoke in another place that, wow, it's so kind of unnerving how accurate it is to describe the temptations that we face in our culture that keep us from being fruitful for God's kingdom. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 8, verse 14, as he spoke of when the word of God The truth of who God is, the gospel goodness of who God wants to be in your life, which includes you bearing great fruit as you abide in him. In that kind of language and reality, Jesus says this, Luke 8, 14, as for those, for those, or excuse me, and as for what fell among the thorns, so he's talking about the truth of God's word, the seed that fell among thorns, They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And if there is one description in Scripture that just nails on the head some of the thorny danger of our present culture where we live in the United States of America, the spiritual soil, the climate, if you will, I think this one, Jesus just speaks a good but hard truth, is that we have enough in our life, enough around that things can choke us all over the place. They seem like they might be a bit innocuous. It's just the cares of life. It's the busy schedule. It's the stuff that we always have to do. And then there's the more deceitful lure of riches. And the other trans, or excuse me, the other gospels add that word to riches, the deceitfulness of riches, that constant temptation that says, this is what you need to bear good fruit. And then it just says, and the pleasures of life, the distractions, the diversions. Do you know that the word entertainment has has the root in it of the word diversion, to divert you from reality? Just get caught up in various pleasures of life, maybe even innocuous. But at the end of the day, if they've choked us out from abiding with God, the the result is we will have fruit that doesn't mature. And that's what gets me fired up. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can feel that temptation in my world. There's so much abundance around us and it turns every day in every commercial and every show and every advertisement into this come and be distracted by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life, to the point that you're not actually rooting, abiding in the vine. So in this season, much has been pruned back, but many distractions have also been removed. So I believe There is a holy moment, a golden opportunity right now. Create a new normal for abiding. Create a new normal for abiding with Jesus that you want to be your new normal when we're let out of this quarantine thing and all these other opportunities that have been taken away and scaled back and pruned back are there again. Now is an opportunity to establish those rhythms of abiding that we are proud of having. Now is that time to establish those rhythms of abiding that will bear lasting fruit. Many of us in our culture needed a big reset anyways. Now is a golden opportunity to establish abiding in Jesus that just becomes that new normal that maybe for the rest of our life now can just never be taken away. 
because we found that it is so good and so rich and to produce fruit that lasts, there's nothing better. And so when the temptations come again, and they will, we're able to say, no, 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 I have a new normal of abiding. I don't want that anymore. That proved unfruitful before. I've got fruit in Christ, and this is where I want to remain. Church, there is a beautiful opportunity upon us in this season to establish a new normal for abiding with Jesus. And to clarify, when I, when I say abiding, I am talking about cultivating that connection to God that we just live with and live from. The word abide means to stay, to remain, to dwell. Where are you living from? We are absolutely made for connection to God. That's what Jesus is getting at. John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. That is an unbreakable connection. Jesus is trying to give us this picture. Whoever abides in me, remains, dwells, lives, connected to the vine, and I in him, that's the one that bears great fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You cut off a branch, you just leave it on the ground. What happens? It withers, it dies. No more flowers, no more beauty, no more fruit. And Jesus is saying, that is how deeply dependent you are on me. You're made to be connected all the time. That's both a sober, sobering reality and great news. God wants you to be connected to him. God wants us to live connected. Not like, oh, God's far away. He doesn't really care what's going on in my life. He doesn't want me to really know him. He doesn't want me to feel him, to hear his voice, to know what it's like to be with him. It's just this abstract idea out there, and I believe it, and when I die, I'm hoping it works. Jesus says it's so much more. You are made to be connected all the time. And you know you are when your life bears fruit that people see and they're like, God is in that person's life. That's what Jesus says in here. What a great honor. What a great privilege that we are made to be connected to God and in Christ in this new covenant blessing of knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord and having him as the one who makes us right before God, that once for all sacrifice that cleanses our sin, cleanses our consciousness, makes us able to go right in to the holy presence of God so that we can live connected mentioned it a couple weeks ago, out of the book of Hebrews, it speaks of that's kind of the whole point of this new covenant that God's working on. In Hebrews 8, 10, and 11, God says this in, in Jeremiah, a prophetic passage, saying, now it's fulfilled in Christ. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law into their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people they shall not teach each one to his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. You don't have to tell each other about me, God's saying, because you will all have a personal connection. Hello, Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says when, he, when you're talking about when he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send another so that you stay connected to God all your life. You hear his voice. You know his truth. You, you, you get healthily convicted when you go astray. There are all these verses throughout the Bible and then ramped up and exploding in the New Testament and New Covenant about how God 
does his part, has done his part, continues to do his part so that we can live a vibrant, active, connected, growing relationship with him. That is your design and destiny. Abide in Jesus. And then there's also all these passages about the part that we have to play, where Jesus would say, so abide, abide in me, remain, dwell, live there, stay there. Don't try to be this little branch that cuts himself off and doesn't run and does his own thing. The fruit is just ugly. It doesn't work well. Apart from me, you could do nothing. Don't try to do something you're not made for. Stay dependent. That's an action step on our part, like many other action steps that Jesus gives us. Our part to play in the relationship, like ask, seek, knock, abide, pray, listen, obey, do, train, be disciplined, study, on and on. These action words that the Bible calls us to in order to what? Earn God's love? No. To stay connected. To stay abiding. To stay with our hearts in that dependent posture of I need you. Every day, every moment. If good and lasting supernatural fruit is going to come through me. That's abiding cultivating connection to God. And man, we have an incredible opportunity in this season of unwanted pruning. We've got opportunity to establish new rhythms of deep abiding with God. Even Jesus modeled that that was crucial to life. We spent the better part of of January this year looking at how Jesus set for us this incredible model of leaving everything. And man, that guy had responsibilities. He had pressures. He had expectations. He had a to-do list. He had a holy list of good things to accomplish. But even he set a precedent that he would get alone, set aside the to-do list, set aside the tasks, set aside the busyness to just go abide, to be alone with God. Luke 15, 16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And as we saw in January, over and over and over in the book of Luke, Luke points out this rhythm that Jesus was this mighty man of action and doing, but he was also this man of intentional rhythms of getting away from it all, saying no to good things in order to just be alone and cultivate that connection to God. And so as followers of Jesus, that is an incredibly important example for us. Are we intentionally establishing rhythms of abiding in our life? Now is the time to do it. Honestly, I want to ask a question that you can ponder later. What rhythms of abiding do you dream of having in your life? Like best case scenario to where it's like, man, if I could just, boom, make this happen. That these are my rhythms of intentionally being with God, cultivating that connection with God. I do this year, I do this here, I put this in my schedule there, this is my time, this is fruitful, this is powerful. Best case scenario. This is a great place to start. This is that healthy dreaming of what could be. To see it with those eyes of faith. These are the rhythms I would love to establish. For some, that's where it needs to start right now is just imagine that best case scenario. These are my daily, weekly, monthly rhythms of intentionally cultivating connection with God. This is how I abide. Maybe for some, it's like you have to imagine that 
I'm going to do this new thing and it would be fruitful. Like, for example, right now, maybe for some, reading the Bible is kind of tough and not very fruitful. So that's okay. Put it on the list. Imagine that you have a fruitful time of engagement in God's word regularly. For some, that's where we need to start is just to put out that, that holy imagination of this is what it looks like to abide with God. Because this season, I believe there is a grace a grace upon our church, a grace upon the nation for those who would, as we've been pruned back, respond with that Jesus-honoring response of, okay, God, I want to abide. I want to learn to abide. I want to abide better. I want to cultivate that connection with you. I believe there's a grace upon us for God to make into a reality those goals that we have and to make those into new, normal rhythms of life. As we do this, I really, really believe God wants to bless that process. There is a, there's a big three when we're talking about cultivating a connection. There's a big three that I want to challenge us with as, as all across Scripture. When we're talking about abiding, there's kind of the the bread and butter, the power rhythms, the go-to. Jesus modeled it. It's all throughout God's word. What are some of the the kind of the meat and potatoes, the foundations, the the, the power rhythms that God's grace wants to empower for all of us to be able to cultivate connection to him? Most of you could just name them, but we're going to name them and we're going to go through them. The big three of abiding Bible, prayer, and worship. Bible as your source of truth, prayer as your conversation with God, and worship as your exaltation of God. These are each absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. You can't find a hero in the Bible who doesn't do this. These are absolutely vital for a well-nourished soul. These are some of the, the staples that God has designed us for. These are absolutely vital for a well-nourished soul that bears good fruit. Each carry a unique power in them, but they also overlap and integrate very well together. For those of you who've been practicing good rhythms and hearing these things, don't check out. Like, oh, I've done that before, or I do that, because this is probably a good season in which you ask God, God, show me something new in one of these areas. Take me deeper into one of these. Expand that repertoire. Grow me in a new skill that I didn't have before. And just try something new in these areas. There are so many, so many different variations and methods and practices for even in these three areas These three things alone, these big three of of abiding to a humble, childlike heart of a disciple that says there's always more, there is way more than a lifetime of different methods and angles and aspects of these big three that can be practiced and learned and mastered in order to produce great fruit in your life. All we see in the Bible from the heroes is that these aspects of abiding with God connect them in deep ways and just keep on giving, keep on bearing good fruit. I mean, can you imagine when it comes to the Bible, can you imagine one of the heroes of the faith saying something like, oh yeah, you know, I I tried reading the the Torah and, you know, I I got the basic idea, but it, it was a little bit boring. You know, so I just, I just stopped. I figured that's, that's for somebody else. Or can you imagine David writing a psalm where he pen, puts pen to paper and says, you know, I've had some good times singing to you, Lord, but I'm just kind of over it now. I'm done. Or can you imagine the Apostle Paul when he's fired up about praying? Can you imagine saying something like, you know, I pray that the God who answers prayers in a really underwhelming and weak way would show himself to you. No. 
Because God's grace is in and upon these things in mighty ways. So the Bible feeds our soul. Talking to God in prayer oh, brings us alive and worship just lifts us up as it lift God, lifts God up. When abiding is, is, is hard, when abiding with God is hard or boring or plateaued, let's be real, it's not on God's end, it's on ours. And that's okay, it just means that there's more training to do, more growing to do. Uh, we don't buy into the idea that like God left for a while, God's gone, God, oh, he just wants to test us by being absent for two years. I mean, there's a lot of like Christian books out there that talk about just God disappearing for two years. What? what? The Holy Spirit is with you so that you're not left as an orphan and you regularly hear his voice, stay connected to him, and produce good fruit. That's actually what the Bible says. So let's not blame God when we feel like, oh, God's been absent for a couple of years. He's withdrawn from me. That is a very unbiblical, very un-New Covenant idea. Let's just take the responsibility. It's on me. I've plateaued. And now I need to grow. I need to train more. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6.40. When we've become fully trained, we'll be like the master. That's an incredibly good news for all of us. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. That is a mindset that is so beautiful. It's, it's a mentorship mindset. It's an apprenticeship mindset. It's, it's like a martial arts guru mindset. You have the master who's way better than you at everything, but his goal is to train you so you're like him. We need to approach abiding with Jesus with this ninja-like mindset that I might be good at one thing, but there's 50 things I don't know. I might be good at going through, reading a book of the Bible and feeling connected to God, but that doesn't mean I have arrived. That might be you've got your white belt on and you've started to do this punch there's 50 more punches, and we haven't even talked about learning how to use weapons yet. That's the mindset Jesus is talking about. There is, man, always more. When you get proficient in one skill, look to add another so that what happens over time is you expand your repertoire on how to stay and be connected to God. Never, never, never be done. I've been, I believe God's been showing me the power of once you get some basics of abiding with God and maybe those begin to plateau, that's good. You, you maybe graduated from white belt to yellow belt to green belt. Now, that doesn't mean you're done. Those will be foundational pieces, but maybe God's wanting to add something new and a very healthy way to challenge yourself is to do something opposite of your normal. Do something opposite of your personality. There's a, there's a real power in this. And, and it, it needs to be in God's timing and God's grace needs to be upon it. So be asking him, God, is there something you want to show me? But I have experienced in my life some of the most powerful ways of connecting with God are opposite to my normal. Like if I were to take a personality test and it would show my strengths in this area and my weaknesses in this area, I've come now, I'm seeing that God likes to say, good, I'll make your strengths strengths, but then I want to show off my grace, my power perfected in your weakness by showing up and meeting you and helping you be connected to me in ways that make you like laugh because it's not your quote unquote personality. So if you're an extrovert, God might be wanting to pour out grace through learning some powerful ways of connecting to him as an introvert. Like if you talk all the time, maybe God wants to show up in quiet. That's part of what's made me laugh. Or if you are like, you know, super intellectual, Maybe he wants to show up in a really artistic way. 
Maybe if that's your natural bent is like logical, maybe he wants to be very sensory with you. If you're real left brain, maybe he wants to show you right brain. I'll give one example in my life that's just been a, now it's a gift that keeps on giving. Now it's a staple, and it just expanded my world. I love finding God in the beauty of flowers. And don't laugh at me, it is worship. It has blown my mind to look at a flower and realize God created beauty for beauty's sake. I mean, the Bible says it, like, all creation shouts his praise. Creation reveals the glory of God. But to me, like, that was stupid. Like, like, no, I am not someone who likes art. I would not like to go to a museum. If you like paintings and looking at them and seeing the beauty, I envy you. I used to mock you. Now I realize you have an open connection to God that I just don't have yet. But, like, Wow, that sounds like a bad way to spend a day. Let's go to a museum looking at paintings. Like, literally doesn't compute. I, you know, I'm, I'm being honest. Like, literally. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, let's go snowboarding, okay? Let's do something. Walk, looking at a painting isn't doing something. Look at what an idiot I am right now. I mean, how, how this is, but this is my natural strength or natural weakness, but wow, it was like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, first time in our life where we had a yard. So I started messing around with it. And this is not my forte as I've been pretty, you know, pathetically displaying here, like to beauty, what, you know, I don't know. But God did something way different than my natural personality to where I can be out gardening and the whole process of cultivating and watching the different stages happen to the point where something that maybe even looked dead or something that was tiny is now giving birth to this beautiful, colorful, intricately designed flower. I can sit there and stare at that process and literally be in awe of God, that God designed that. He created that, that beauty and our, our right, we, there's, there's, once you kind of got your eyes open, you realize like, whoa, there's a lot of things in this world that God made beautiful for beauty's sake because they, they hit you in the, the symmetry and the colors and the, the integration of it all and the proportions. It's like, wow, look at that hibiscus flower. That's unbelievable what it says about God in all his design. And there's hundreds and thousands of different flowers who have their own unique way of God putting his glory into them. So that's just an example for me that 10 years ago, I would have laughed at my silly self to say such things. But now that experience changed my life because it showed me that God wants to continue to expand how he's going to reveal himself to you. And that we would be fools to put ourselves, to put God in this little box. I was a fool to say like, oh, I, that's, that's, that's dumb to me. Now it's like, I want to encounter God in as many ways as possible. And just because it's not my normal M.O., why would I put a limit and say, so therefore I'm never going to connect with God that way just because it's not my MO? Actually, now it's like I want to I experience all of God and trust his grace wants to continue to expand. So there's some people that, man, there's, I got two scientists in my household where they just love reading about science and it's like it still quite doesn't grab onto me, but it's like, but I want to get there and see the glory of God to go be able to read a science journal and be excited about God. Before it was like, look on it with disdain. Now it's like, wait, no, I'm missing out. There's more of God's glory. I'm not forcing myself. I'm not ready yet when God's grace comes. But it's a mindset. It's a mindset of there is always more.
And so as we get into even these aspects of the Bible and prayer and worship, I want to challenge us, to challenge ourselves, to say, God, what's the more? What is the more? What is the new way in which you are desiring to show your grace in my life and help me be connected to you, live connected to you. That's what this is all about. Live connected to you through one of these areas. So let's talk the Bible for a minute here. Why is the Bible so critical as an absolute just necessity in our life? It's quite simple. What is your source of truth? Because there are messages coming at you every day that are lies from the pit of hell and are not going to bear good fruit in your life. They will enslave you to fear and to lust and to greed. Romans 12, 2 says it like this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what the Bible does. The Bible renews our minds after the truth of who God is. That's why in this whole quarantine time, I felt very passionate about, we've got to do daily devotionals. In the book of Hebrews, the headlines, focus on the headlines, the good news of the headlines of God's word, because I know what's coming down our way, it's going to come every day, are not the headlines on God's heart. There's going to be some truth, and there's going to be all sorts of hyperbolic fears and stuff that's going to try to grab us. Is that not happening? That's why we say let's focus our eyes on God's word so the headlines of his truth and his world and his kingdom are what we live from. The Bible is absolutely crucial to form our worldview and form it every day. Our, daily, our worldview and our daily view. Romans 12, 2, so crucial. And there's a, there's a different translation. The Passion Translation says it like this, and I love it. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but rather be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to, to, to discern God's will. Whew, that is right on. We cannot trust the world around us and the messages that are coming our way if they are not rooted in and from God's word. They are going to teach you a completely different worldview where Jesus is not king of kings on the throne with his, with his kingdom that is present and coming. So this is where we've got to find ways to get into God's word and let his worldview become our world view. So many different ways to do that, whether it's deep Bible study. That was my go-to. I, I, I like the, I, I, I'm a bit of a nerd. I'll, I'll admit, I like school. Well, by the time I was done, I like school. I voluntarily went to graduate school. It sounded fun. I like learning. So for me, a sweet spot in the Bible is let's get in and study, study, study. That's great. I'll never, I'll never stop. But now, in addition, as God has, likes to do things different than my personality, different than my strength, part of what I absolutely love now is just asking the Holy Spirit, as I read your word, highlight one phrase, give me a word, a picture, an image that I can just use your holy, sanctified imagination to ponder upon. Help me see your world like you see your world. That's very outside of my normal, but it's now a new normal. It just has expanded the repertoire. So now it's basically where 20 years ago, getting into God's word sounded hard. Oh, I don't know if I can connect with God. Now it sounds easy and it's fruitful. 20 years or more of training. God wants to train us to live connected to him all the time. 
Prayer. Why is prayer crucial? Because prayer is our conversation with God. Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That used to terrify me. That sounded so boring. Just never stop praying. Go in a little closet and close your eyes and hold your hands and never stop. That sounded honestly terrifying. It scared me. A better translation that helps us get to the point of it. Again, Passion Translation. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Make your life a prayer. The idea is God has now sent the Holy Spirit and God just wants your entire life to be this conversation of prayer where we're connected to him. And yes, it is good to have those times where you sit down and you close your eyes and you're praying for specific things and specific people. That's very healthy. That's something for all of us to grow in. I've seen God do that in, in this church and in, our, in my life in ways like I am shocked. Never thought I could be that person. But what it's even more talking about is just connected to God all the time? Are you learning how to cultivate that you just process life with God? So there's this ongoing conversation all the time and you're not hiding stuff from God. You're processing it all. Look at the Psalms. That guy processes it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hopes, the dreams, the fears. It's this ongoing conversation with God. That's part of where I like the whole gardening thing. It's not only the beauty revelation, but it helps me get in a quiet place and we got three kids, and you're homeschooling, blah, blah, quiet, not happening very often. We all got to find that quiet place where we can hear God, where we can talk to God. The activity doesn't matter. Maybe it's playing guitar. Maybe it's running. Maybe it's in a garden. Maybe it's out in your shop, working on the car, working on the tools, working on the projects that quiet place where you can cultivate processing life with God. It's a conversation. May all of life be a prayer. That's a beautiful goal that God wants to empower, that God wants to bless, where you live more and more of life abiding, connected to God. You're training yourself. You're training yourself to talk with God, to be honest, to be real, to bring stuff to God, to hear him respond, to not just let it all build up and fester so you become this root of bitterness and anger, and as you grow older, it's just more bitterness and anger is popping out of you. No, get it all out with God. Let him work on it with you. Process those hopes, those dreams. Let him grow your vision. Let him grow based on his word and him talking. Now these things are, you know, synergizing together. Let him put his vision in you for the kind of hopes and dreams he has for your life. When his kingdom expands and you start living really on grace to be able to look back and be like, I, I couldn't do any of this. Those are birthed in private, quiet, secret conversations with God. So find that quiet place. Grow it. Lastly, when we talk about worship, our exaltation of God, we are made to worship. You, will, you, you won't find a soul on the planet that isn't worshiping something. We love to worship. We love to look to things that are powerful and beautiful, and we love to fix our gaze on them and give them praise. It actually brings us joy. As C.S. Lewis made the insight, praise completes the joy. There's something about fixing our heart, mind, and spirit on a, on a power greater than ourself that brings our soul more alive. It's because we're made to worship, and we all worship something. That's why Psalm 29, too, says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. There is one who is worthy of all of our attention and affections and hopes and dreams. Or Psalm 95 says, Come, let us worship and bow down before God. Or Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Gratitude and praise are essential for a healthy soul. An ungrateful heart is, is, is toxic. 
you're holding poison. God created us to live from a place of gratitude and praise. And the beauty is that our joy in worship is his glory in worship. Your joy and God's glory are not at odds. You're made to worship. You're made to worship God. And when you do, your soul will be at its fullest point of joy. And God is getting glory in your life as the king of kings, the king on the throne of your heart. How are you cultivating worship? How are you cultivating regularly? I mean, worship music is so important. Find ways to put on lyrics that direct your heart to gratitude and praise. I mean, there's enough good music out there. It could be old. It could be new. The style doesn't matter. There's plenty, plenty. The resource of the internet now has made it word without excuse. We can find any music from any genre in any time frame in any language. It's there. And there's something so special and powerful about singing a song to God. Singing a song to God. David, the king of Israel, spoke it like this. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will, I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And I accidentally cut off the next verse, which is important. It says, I will sing to you on my bed. There's something about having a song to sing. That, that universal language of music that God has created for us to sing a song. Find those ways. It, maybe it's driving in your car in the commute and you've got the songs playing. Maybe it's doing dishes. Maybe it's even while exercising. Just find ways. It doesn't have to be where you just sit and do nothing, absolutely nothing but music. That's great. But there's, you just get gratitude and praise on your mind so that you're singing a song throughout the day, so that your heart, and this is kind of where biblical truth and conversation with God and singing to him in worship can just all come together where you've just got a song to sing. It's based on the truth of his word. It's a conversation because you're connected, and then it's that soul where you're lifting up in gratitude and praise, the one who's worthy, and it lifts you up. And it lifts God up and gives him the glory he deserves. There's many different ways, obviously, to do that. Even the Remembering God journal right now, that's a form of worship. Remembering God. My rhythm right now as we're doing the 30 days is that's bedtime for me, right before bed. Get out the journal and just remember God. One thing that he's done in my life, write it down. Put my soul in a place of gratitude and praise right before I go to sleep. Whatever it is for you, find it. But it's these ways of cultivating. Get, get your basics. Get your power rhythms down. Now is the season to do it. And then as you get those, it, it, it's, there is always a next step. We've never arrived. So challenge yourself, church. If you feel like, yeah, I've got great rhythms. Here they are. I could show them to you in my, in my uh, calendar. Awesome. Now it's what's next. What's next? What's going to take you into that new encounter with God, that new revelation, that deeper level of connectedness? So the challenge as we leave is what's your plan? What's your plan for this season while we're still forced <laughs> to be pruned back from a lot of activities that took our time before? What's your plan to grow in abiding? We don't want to be those folks who, who go through this season and be like, oh, I didn't have a plan because that's what we're going to hit. <laughs> if you have a plan to hit nothing, you, you know, usually hit that plan every time. This is a golden moment, church, in this season to come out of the, the quarantine, come out of this massive worldwide pruning with deep rhythms of abiding more established than they've ever been. Because we want to be these kind of people. I'm going to close with Psalm 1, verse 3 and 4. 
This is the person who abides well. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Maybe you found that when this heat came, this challenge, this pruning, this difficult season, you saw that, whoa, there, I didn't prosper. There, was a, there wasn't a lot of good fruit. That's okay. That just means that there is a deeper opportunity upon you to abide, get those roots deep, deep, deep connected to the vine, deep down in that stream of living water so that the next time a big challenge comes in life, you prosper in all that you do, no matter what comes your way. And for those who said, you, know, you can honestly say, you know what, my soul's prospered in this season. Awesome. There's still opportunity to go deeper and say, God, what's next? How can I grow that repertoire of connecting with you so that even greater fruit comes through being connected to you all the days of my life? Let's give a quiet moment, church, just before we sign off today. Let's be asking God, what is he wanting to say to us today? How's he wanting to encourage us, affirm us, challenge us? How is he wanting to help us seize this season of abiding to establish deep rhythms of being connected to him? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to every single person listening, watching right now, that most of all, we would hear your voice. What is it that you want to say about abiding with you? Is there something general? Is there something specific? Is there a challenge you have for us? Is there a new way you're wanting to encourage us to, to try, to learn, to grow, to be trained, to connect with you? We just ask, Holy Spirit, speak now that we may learn to abide as you had in mind, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that your will for our life is that we bear great fruit, abundant fruit, fruit that just makes people say, wow, that guy, that girl, they got God in their life because there's no way they could do that on their own. We want to be those people, Jesus. So we ask that your Holy Spirit empower us right now afresh. Pour out that grace upon our life to abide with you as you have in mind for each one of us. Thank you that we're all on an individual journey. We don't need to compare to where we are with anybody else. You don't care at all about that. You just want us to look at your eyes and say yes to what you're saying, to abide with you, to cultivate that connection that we live from. So we ask your Holy Spirit to bless this season. May you help us grow great rhythms of abiding that last forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new dance like David.